0: The following content contains explicit language and imagery not intended for children. This episode is for entertainment purposes only and should not be attempted at home. Listener discretion advised. Good evening, Paranorm Ghouls and Goblins. Trick or treat. Welcome to Paranorm Girls' first ever Halloween special. I'm your ghost, Kristen. Kristen. This is a very special and very old holiday. It's certainly one of my favorites, but I've never thought too much about the history, how it all started. I've got a very spooky show prepared for you guys, and we will get into it momentarily, but first, a brief history of Halloween All Hallows' Eve. You're about to have new love for the Irish. The tradition of Halloween actually originated with an ancient pagan Celtic festival called Samhain, which took place at the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. Samhain was a very important celebration to the Celts. It was significant for a few reasons, namely, it marked the final day of their year— It also signified the end of summer and harvest and the beginning to the darker, colder part of the year, which they also associated with death. They believed that on the night before the new year began, the veil between the world of the living and the world of the dead became very thin. This was the day that ghosts could return to our world and there could be interaction between the living and the dead. To commemorate the event, Celtic priests built large bonfires considered sacred and the people would burn crops and make sacrifices to their Celtic deities. At this time, they would also disguise themselves in various animalish and monstrous costumes and pay homage to the dead. Due to the Celts' belief that the boundary between the living and the supernatural was breachable during this festival, they would leave offerings in order to placate fairies and other unwelcome phantoms, but also wear the costumes in order to scare them off, should they try to interfere with anyone's ancestors who might also be trying to visit. As with all things, Samhain would change throughout the years. The large sacred bonfire would multiply into numerous personal bonfires nearer to farms and homes in order to protect the individual families from the fairies and from witches. I wonder if that led to the tradition of leaving the porch light on. And the people also began the tradition of the common-day jack-o'-lantern. Originally a carved turnip with coal, the Irish would later switch to the more commonly carved pumpkin. The origins of the modern-day trick-or-treating may have begun around this time, too. A custom called mumming, which in the Middle Ages during Samhain was the practice of putting on costumes and going door-to-door, singing songs to the dead. In 1000 AD, Christian influence encroached, attempting to replace and reframe the Celts' festival with their own holiday. But of course they did. First, they moved the celebration to May 13th and reframed the day instead as a day to celebrate saints and martyrs. Do you think the pagan Celts listened and abided by this decree? No, they did not, because they were badasses. They would continue on with their recognized festival taking place in October. So, the church tried again, by moving the celebration back to the original time, but this time on November 1st and 2nd, because they just wanted to be difficult, declaring these days All Saints Day and All Souls Day, respectively. Do you think the pagan Celts gave two craps? Again, no, they did not. They would continue on celebrating the way they saw fit. England would adopt a celebration resembling the Celtic commemoration of Samhain with bonfires and costumes. The poor would visit the homes of the wealthy to receive pastries in exchange for a promise to pray for the homeowner's dead relatives. This practice would later be taken up by children who would go door to door asking for things like food and money. In Scotland and Ireland, people would sing songs, tell poems, tell jokes, or perform a trick in order to collect their treats of fruits, nuts, or coins. This celebration would forever remain October 31st and would become known as All Hallows' Eve, but would retain much of the traditional pagan practices right up through to the 19th century, when America would adopt some of these practices and celebrate the holiday, thanks to the Irish immigrants bringing these traditions in with them. So freaking cool, right? Isn't history incredible? Okay, okay, enough work for now. Let's get into something a little spooky. I wanted to do something special for you guys. Something that I think, if you have never heard of these before, will make your arm hair stand up on end. Something so scary and creepy that this episode comes with a warning. And here it is. Do not try any of this at home or anywhere. Don't try it. Don't do it. Don't even think about doing it. Will anything happen if you do try and do it? I don't know. Probably not. But what say we not be the idiots who find out the hard way that we were wrong? I present to you the scariest paranormal games you should not play. Listed, of course, from the lowest creep factor to the mostest creep factor, in my humble opinion. (sighs) Turn the lights down. Light a candle. Have your rosary beads ready. Because here they are. Number 1. The Triple Mirror Game What is needed for this game are three mirrors and a large, white, unscented candle. It's a very easy game once you get it set up and supposedly worth the effort if you are keen on seeing for yourself whether or not there is a ghostly presence nearby. You'll start off by lighting the candle and placing it on the floor then arrange the mirrors around the room in such a way that they reflect the door to the room from one mirror to the other. Apparently, if set up correctly, you may be able to catch a glimpse of an actual apparition standing in the doorway, but you will only be able to see it reflected back at you from that final and third mirror. Are any of you alone as well? See, it was my opinion that this was the least scariest of the games I've selected, And I don't know, maybe there's something in the air, but I'm already spooking out. Okay. Number 2. Bloody Mary. Most of you have probably heard of this one before. I remember having heard about it and trying it when I was about seven or eight. This game has you locked inside of a dark bathroom. Lights out with a single candle lit. Stare into the mirror and chant Bloody Mary 13 times. See, I recall having learned it only took three, so thankfully I was just misinformed because nothing happened. After the 13th time of saying her name, the ghost of Bloody Mary herself, Queen Mary I, might appear in the mirror. As the story goes, she was a miserable and melancholic woman who suffered from a condition known as phantom pregnancy, but unfortunately, she was never able to produce an heir for the crown. What does she do to you once she appears? There's a lot of rumors with this one, so your guess is as good as mine. When I was seven or eight, I was told she would reach through the glass and scratch you. You would leave the bathroom, sure, but with three distinct bloody claw marks to prove to everyone that you had summoned the famous queen, who now haunts bathrooms for some reason, and lived to tell the tale. Baby Blue is up next at number three. Why Baby Blue? Because it's considered a companion piece to Bloody Mary. Again, you will lock yourself in a dark bathroom. In this one, you'll fold your arms up as if you were cradling a baby. Chant the words Baby Blue 13 times in front of the mirror. At the 13th time, you will feel the weight and shape of a squirming baby take form in your cradled arms. And at this point, you are going to continue saying Baby Blue, and the phantom infant should really start moving about now, growing heavier, grabbing your hair, clawing at your arms, and even crying for its mother. If you were to choose this as a good time to look up at the mirror, you'll see the reflection of a horrifyingly hideous demon woman looking back at you. Some people say this is Bloody Mary herself, which wouldn't make any sense if she screams at you, as many people who have played the game say she does, Give me back my baby! You've seen enough, and now it's time to get out of Dodge. It is recommended that you flush the baby down the toilet. Before you all get up in arms, do keep in mind that this is a demon spawn from hell, right? And you want to act quickly before the demon spawn's demonic mother crawls her ass right through that mirror and gets ya. I'm gonna interject here for a moment. Uh, fuck mirrors. That is all. Back to the show. Number four. The modern incarnation of this very old Spanish game called Juego de la Lapicera is called Charlie Charlie. It's still very new to us and was only popularized in the English speaking world in 2015 via the hashtag Charlie Charlie Challenge following a newscast, doing a piece on it after it was played and uploaded to YouTube. It trended on Twitter for a while and now is played by slumber party teenagers across the nation. So, how is the game played? All that is needed for this one is a piece of paper and two pencils. Draw a cross on the paper. In the opposing quadrants, you're going to write the same words. Upper left, bottom right, you'll write the word YES upper right, bottom left, you'll write no. Carefully stack the pencils, one balancing across the other, lining up with the cross that you drew. Then you are going to ask, Charlie, Charlie, are you there? Or, Charlie, Charlie, can we play? When the pencil starts moving to either yes or no, you'll have your answer and may proceed to ask whatever questions you like. With this modern interpretation of the game, you may be getting a demon boy named Charlie up for a quick game with your soul. Or you could be unintentionally puffing air onto it with your mouth hole. I personally wouldn't take any chances. Here's another one for those of you who are particularly fond of experiencing ghosts when you're all by yourself. Number five, the shoebox telephone. This is a simple one. All that is needed is a shoebox, two plastic or paper cups, a string, and a paper and pen. Oh yeah, you also need to know someone who has passed away and want to talk to them. You will write a letter to the deceased person, including a very specific question for them. As in, don't be vague about it. No, how's it going or what you doing? Keep it specific. Now you got to set up the phone. Just like you did when you were young, you'll run a string from the bottom of one cup to the bottom of the other. Place the letter and one of the cups into the shoebox, put the lid on it, set the shoebox inside of a dark closet, and close the door, leaving the receiving cup and string running under the door so it remains outside of the closet. Now stop fucking around and go to bed. Seriously, the game now requires that you go to bed and wait for the call. I'm sure that sleep will be nothing but peaceful. Now, when the call comes, you're not actually going to hear a ringing phone. Supposedly, you are going to have a dream in which a phone is ringing. This will be enough to wake you up. At this point, you will get out of bed and go answer your cup phone. Put it to your ear and listen. If you should hear nothing on the other end, no harm, no foul, your experiment failed, probably forgot to pay your cup phone bill. However, you might hear something A voice on the other end, answering your question. Sit, listen to what they have to say, and realize that you are now sitting but mere feet away from a ghost with nothing but a piece of wood between you, and hope that the voice on the other end really is who they say they are. All right, let's up the ante, shall we? Number six, the closet game. They say that you can play this either by yourself or with a friend. Might be nice to be dragged to the depths of hell with your bestie. This game requires a bedroom closet with a door and a book of matches. Simple enough. It is played at midnight and will not work with any lights on whatsoever. Take the matches inside of the closet with you and close yourself in. For two minutes, you will stand inside of the dark closet in complete silence facing the door. Pull one match from the book, hold it in front of you unlit, and say the words, show me the light or leave me in darkness. Now you listen. If you hear faint whispering, get the match lit immediately. If the match does not light right away, whatever you do, do not turn around. At this point, If for some reason you still cannot get the match to ignite, probably something to do with the sheer terror, you're going to feel something grabbing you from behind and trying to drag you down. That should help to calm you. But let's say you got the match to light. Be very careful it does not go out. So long as the match is lit, you are protected. If it does accidentally go out, probably because you're hyperventilating all over it, quickly light another. When you are done having all of this fun and want to end the session, hold the lit match in front of you, open the door, step outside, and close the door. All the while not letting that match go out and without looking behind you or back inside the closet before you shut the door. You're not going to like what's been in there with you and now is staring out at you. If you have been successful in this summoning, congratulations, you now have a closet demon for the foreseeable future, which is probably not that far away now thanks to this game. Henceforth, you must always have a light on whenever you look inside, need to use, or dig around in your closet for something. Oh, and even while you sleep too. Because you'll see your closet demon, let's call him Paul, sitting there with glowing red eyes, waiting patiently for the day you slip up and dig for your Rolling Stones t shirt you haven't worn since the eighth grade and forget to flip the switch. Paul is watching. Paul is ready. Paul will always be waiting for you. Yay! Woohoo! Number seven. Hope you don't find dolls creepy or anything. This one is called One Man Tag or One Man Hide and Seek. And I think now is a good time to remind my listeners that it is not a good idea to attempt any of these games. I'm being deadly serious here. We're moving on to some much darker ones now, starting with this one. What is needed for this game? A doll with stuffing. A bag of rice. Needle and thread. A sharp, stabby-like object one cup of salt water, a bathroom with a tub and counter, and a hiding spot for yourself. Make sure you can see a TV from where you will be hiding. The preparation goes as follows. The doll's stuffing needs to be removed and replaced with rice. Throw in a couple fingernail clippings and stitch it all up with the thread. Fill your tub with water and place the cup of salt water on the ground near your hiding spot to have it ready. You've got to name the doll. Any name but your own will do. For this imaginary game, she's Dolly Parton. At 3 a.m., the game can begin. You'd say your name, whatever your name is, followed by, is the first it. Say that to Dolly three times. Then, submerge her in the water-filled bathtub. All of the lights in the entire house need to be turned off and the TV turned on. You'd return to the hiding spot, close your eyes, and count to 10. Once that is done, you'll go back to the bathroom with the stabby object, Stand over the bathtub, proudly pronounce out loud, I have found you, Dolly, and then, surprising to no one, stab her with the stabby object. Then, with psychotic glee, you'll say, you're the next it, Dolly. Oh, my God. Okay, pick her up. Put her on the counter. Hightail it back to your hiding spot. For the rest of the game, keep an eye out for any interference or adjustments in audio on the television. It will let you know when danger is close. I'm sure you can imagine what is supposed to happen next. If you said maybe a homicidal, possessed, inanimate object creeping around your dark house been on stabbing you to death, you would be correct. To be fair, you did stab her first. Also, to be fair, You did teach her that that was how the game was played. Uh, Dolly's just playing by your rules. Things to keep in mind while playing. You can't leave your house before finishing the game. Don't play this. If you live with anybody, you will be putting them in danger. The doll gets strength the longer it is allowed to wander unmolested. So keep the game to under a couple of hours. In case you do need to escape and must leave your house before the game is over, leave all windows and doors unlocked. Have your phone on you and friends who can come, should they need to rescue your dumbass, and have them on speed dial. Finally, how to end the game. When you are ready to stop playing, put half of the salt water from the cup in your mouth and just hold it there. Go look for Dolly. Might no longer be in the bathroom by this point whenever and wherever you find her, pour the remaining water from the cup all over her and finish by spitting the water in your mouth all over her and say, I win three times. So this was a game I found on creepypasta. Most of that site is populated with just, you know, whatever creepy stories and whatnot, but not necessarily anything that is based in fact or reality. But you know how things can become real, like the idea of a tulpa. Thoughts become things. Guys, I think that's what scares me the most about these games. At, at what point does it stop being a stupid slumber party double dog Daria and become an actual ritual with actual consequences? There's a lot of videos out there right now of people playing this particular game and recording it. I don't think that is the smartest thing to do, even though I I haven't really seen one yet of anything happening that I didn't think was fabricated, but you just never know. Okay, let's continue. Number 8. If hide and seek with a doll isn't your idea of scary, how about a deadly version of red light green light with a Japanese demon? This one is called the bath game. To set it up, run yourself a bath. Get naked and get in. Sit like a normal person facing the faucet. Close your eyes and begin washing your hair. As you do, repeat the words "Derumason fell down. Derumason fell down." Don't stop repeating until you're done washing your hair and keep your eyes closed. At this point, if all has been done correctly, you will see in your mind's eye the image of a Japanese woman standing in your tub. She will slip and fall, landing face first on the faucet, gouging her right eye out. Don't open your eyes for anything. You may feel movement in the tub. You may hear noises all around you. Keep them shut. You'll ask out loud, why did you fall in the bathtub? Don't be surprised when you get no answer. Let the question hang in the air, and then carefully stand up, get out of the tub, and exit the bathroom, shutting the door tightly behind you. Only now is it safe to open your eyes. You are going to leave the bathroom as you left it, lights off, tub filled, door shut, go to your room, and go to bed. Sleep tight, don't let the bedbugs bite. Upon waking the next morning, the game begins. As you go about your day, you may feel a constant presence behind you. If you turn to look, you will probably see nothing. But if you glance quickly enough over your right shoulder, you might catch a glimpse of a Japanese woman with black, tangled hair and one eye. Her only purpose in this game is to get closer and closer to you as the day goes on. If she gets too close for comfort, you can shout the word tomare, which means stop. This will stall her long enough for you to run away and put distance between you again. Fair warning, though. Use this command sparingly as it loses its power every time you use it, stalling her for less and less time upon each usage. If you have successfully not been caught by this demon lady the entire day, you're rounding the corner now for your big win. The ending to this game must be played before midnight. Otherwise, she has full access to come into your dreams. Don't let on that you are about to end the game, as she will hide and wait you out. Unsuspectingly, you will suddenly capture her in your gaze, looking over your right shoulder. Shout the command, KITA, which means, I cut you loose. Swing your arm down sharply in a chopping motion as you give this command. If you have done these steps correctly, she will disappear. The game is over, and you have won. If you have not done these steps correctly, it is advised that you run. Just run and don't stop. Ever. Enjoy the new identity. And the demon stalker for life. Number 9. The elevator game. This one is a bit more technical. Maybe because there's an elevator involved. And buttons. But if one were to play this game, not any of us, of course, it is said that you will encounter a ghostly woman. When she enters the elevator with you, you are not to interact with her in any way, no matter what she does. If you do, there will be consequences, according to some who have played this game and made the error. It is also said that you might get the chance to enter and explore another world, a dystopian ghostly dimension. If all of that sounds spooky enough to you, here's how to play, so you know what not to do. You need a building with at least 10 floors with a working elevator. Do not play this game if there are any other people in the elevator upon entering, or if they should enter when you reach any of the various floors, aside from the strange woman. I'm not sure how you would tell the difference, but apparently you'll feel it. If anyone does get on at any point in the game, you'll have to start over to get this all to work properly. Okay, you're in the elevator alone. You are going to push a sequence of floor numbers ascending and descending to each, but do not get off on any of the floors until the elevator decides you are worthy of seeing the other world. And you'll certainly know when that happens. Here's the sequence. Enter on the first floor. Go to the fourth. Go to the second. Next is the sixth. Back to the second. Now go all the way to the tenth. Cut it in half and go to the fifth. So again, the sequence is 4, 2, 6, 2, 10, 5. It is at this fifth floor that people report encountering the woman who will enter the elevator. She may try to talk to you, ask for help, antagonize you. Some who have played this game even claim she has appeared as someone they know. But if you do not want to add yet another demon stalker lady to your roster, it is advised you do not acknowledge her whatsoever. But in all reality, it's actually a good sign if she enters on the fifth floor, as one of two things is about to happen. Because it is at this point you're going to press the button to take you back to the first level, and the elevator is either going to acquiesce and take you down. If so, you will exit immediately, do not say anything to the woman, and most definitely do not look back. Or it will start going up. This is the sign you're looking for if your wish is to explore another world. You will be taken to the 10th floor, and at this time only are you allowed to get off and look around. Be very mindful of where your elevator is located, and if there are multiple, which one is yours. You can only get back home the exact way you came in. On this plane, things are said to look a little different. There's not going to be anyone else there. It is said the power might be out, the sky might be dark, and there is a lone glowing red cross in the distance. Whether or not one were to decide to get off and explore or just peep it quickly and stay put, here's how they would get back to their own world. Another sequence. Push the numbers and arrive at the floors for each. The sequence is the same as what brought you here. Four, two, six, two, ten, five, and finally 1. Accounts of others playing this have claimed it is at this point that the elevator will attempt to take you back to the 10th floor yet again. You must act quickly and press any of the floor numbers before reaching the top in order to stop the elevator from reaching the 10th level. Stay calm. Once you've successfully stopped, press the button for the first floor again. At this point, you will start descending. Have caution should you reach the first floor. Carefully check the surroundings before exiting the elevator. Make sure it all looks right to you, that nothing is off, even down to the smallest detail. If things do look off in any way, you'll have to do the sequence one more time, including fighting off the pole of the 10th floor all over again. But once you're confident you've arrived back to your world and time and plane of existence, you may finally exit the elevator. You know, there was a theory floated at one time that Elisa Lam had been playing the elevator game on the, by now, very well-known video clip of her on her last day. I'm not sure if that is true. I guess we may never know. But it makes it all the more tragic and eerie to think that she might have been. This next one is made even creepier by a legend. This story is about a girl A beautiful girl, who lived in Eastern Europe in a small village. Did I say she was beautiful? I lied. She was extraordinarily beautiful. All the men of the village found themselves doing just about anything in order to catch but a simple, small smile from this girl, which could melt even the hardest and coldest of hearts should it land on them. But as time went on, the men, willing to do anything, vying for her attention, turned it up. Friends fought amongst lifelong friends, brother on brother, father on son, all for just one more lovely smile from the beauty who by this time had earned herself the nickname Lady Spades, thanks to her stunning resemblance to the playing card at the time. The chaos and violence escalated, getting so bad that finally something had to be done. In order to restore their village back to peace and quiet, the elders decided enough was enough, Something had to be done with Lady Spades. Her and her beauty and her smile. Yeah, that was the problem. One dark, dismal night, they sent a mob of angry villagers to her home, coming upon her preparing for slumber as she brushed her long, perfect, dark locks before a mirror. They descended upon her, beating her savagely, tearing at her clothes, scratching and pummeling at her beautiful face. And once they were sure enough damage had been done, they left her to die in front of her mirror with only her wrecked visage and its reflection for company. And she would remain this way for three days, weeping loudly enough to send ghostly echoes throughout the village until finally, she died. Broken hearted. Broken. But before she took her last breath, she summoned enough energy to leave a parting gift, a curse on anyone who dared to ever say her name in front of a mirror. It is said that if you should summon her, but are oh so polite, she may find it in her heart to grant you any wish you should desire. But if you are impolite, she may choose to keep her word and exact the revenge planted in her heart so many years ago. At number 10, this game is called Queen of Spades. What is needed for this game is one candle, matches, red lipstick, the Queen of Spades from a deck of cards, and a mirror in a quiet, dark room. You begin the game at midnight. Ensure that all of the lights are off before entering the dark, quiet room. Place the candle in front of the mirror and light it with the matches. With the red lipstick, you will write Lady Spades on the mirror. Now hold the Queen of Spades card up so that it's facing the mirror. Close your eyes and try to relax. With an empty mind, you're going to start saying the words, Lady Spades appear. You will repeat this seven times. Once that is finished, pull up in your mind's eye the image of Lady Spades. She should be dressed in all black, with black eyes, dark hair, and unfortunately, a mangled and scarred face. Hold her there in your mind. You may hear something nearby, like footsteps or voices. If that is so, you have successfully summoned her. It is now time to open your eyes. If all is well upon opening your eyes, it is time to make your wish. How do you know all is well? You will see a woman in the mirror, standing calmly with her arms at her sides. You will know things are not all well, however, if any of the following should be observed upon opening your eyes. If the candle is out, if the card is somehow facing you, if the card is altogether missing from your hand, or if the woman is pressed right up against the mirror, palms pressed against the glass, leering out at you. If any of these things should happen, time is of the essence and you must end the game immediately. This is what you do depending on what you see. If the candle has gone out, relight it quickly, say the words, Lady Spades, disappear wipe her name from the mirror, blow out the candle, and turn on the lights. Burn the card immediately. If the card is facing you somehow, rip it in half. Say the words, Lady Spades Disappear, wipe her name from the mirror, blow out the candle, turn on the lights, and burn the card immediately. If the card has just disappeared from your hand, break the mirror, turn on the lights. Attempt to locate the card. If you can find it, Burn it. If you cannot find it, leave. And vacate the premises as soon as you can. And if the woman's face and hands are pressed right up against the mirror, break that glass immediately. Take the card with you as you vacate the premises. As soon as you can, burn the card. If, however, you did open your eyes to a demure, dark woman standing still with her arms at her sides, you may state your wish to her. No matter what happens next, do not break eye contact with her. If for whatever reason you do not maintain eye contact, you need to immediately end the game by breaking the mirror and vacating the premises, card in hand, burn it as soon as you possibly can, and hope for the best. But if you have successfully summoned her, stated your wish, and not broken eye contact, there is only one more hurdle. Her. If she decides she will grant you your request, she will simply smile and say yes. Once this happens, you will say Lady Spades disappear. Wipe her name from the mirror, blow out the candle, turn the lights back on, burn the card as soon as you possibly can, and then wait. Your wish will come true shortly enough. And if she declines to grant you your wish, break the mirror, blow out the candle, and burn the card and hope that that was enough to keep her in her mirror world away from you. Never, under any circumstances, let her out of the mirror. You may pay for it dearly. No matter the outcome of your attempt to summon her and make a wish, it is advised that you never attempt to play this game again. Ever. And a final note on this. Should you try to summon her, and upon opening your eyes, find that you do not see or hear anything out of the ordinary, know that it has failed. You should expect no negative consequences should it fail. However, it is still recommended you officially end the game by repeating the words Lady Spades disappear, wiping her name from the mirror, blowing out the candle, turning the lights on, and burning the card. And know that Lady Spades has been known to hang around whether everything went well or not. And the final game at number 11 is called The Midnight Game. I saved this one for last, namely because years ago, when I first learned of this paranormal game, it quite honestly scared the crap out of me. This game in itself comes with an explicit warning. According to the person who posted it on Creepypasta, it is highly recommended that you do not attempt to play this game, as it can result in death or intense psychological scarring. Even when played correctly, there can be consequences, as it is noted on a Reddit thread posted eight years ago from a young man who had played this game with a friend. It appears, since the posting of his experience, his account has been deleted. Hopefully, he is currently all right. His experience, detailed out in the thread, is downright terrifying as he walks the reader step by step with timestamps of everything that happened to them. Without giving too much away from his story, let's just say that he began the midnight game a complete skeptic of the paranormal and ended it with a fresh terror instilled in him and a realization that he messed with something that he did not understand and a few nightmares to spare. But at least he left with his life as far as we know. This game begins at midnight, but first, one must prepare. Anyone playing must write their name, first, middle, and last, on a piece of paper. The lights must be entirely off. The front door must be wooden. Have salt readily available. Just do. The paper that has been prepared is to be placed in front of the door. Light a candle and place it on top of it. Next comes a step that needs to be timed correctly. Knock 22 times on the door, but the final knock needs to land on the stroke of midnight, exactly 12 a.m. Open the door, blow out the candle, head inside your house and close the door behind you. Once closed, immediately relight the candle. You will be keeping it on your person for the entirety. The Midnight Man, is now allowed to enter your home, and the game has begun. The goal of the game is pretty straightforward. Avoid being found by the Midnight Man at all costs until 3.33 a.m. You will do this by walking around the dark house from room to room with only the light of the candle to guide you, careful to not let it go out. If you arrive at 3.33 a.m. without being caught by the Midnight Man, you have successfully won the game. Suffice it to say, you will know when you have lost. Helpful tips. The candle may go out for any number of reasons, one of which is that he has gotten close to you. Should it go out, you have 10 seconds to get it relit before proceeding with the game. If you find that you cannot get it relit, this is where you want that salt handy. Before the 10 seconds is up, for a protective circle around you and remain inside of it until 333. You have lost the game at this point, but this is the far less horrible way you could do so. You will also be able to tell when the Midnight Man is close should the temperature suddenly drop, you hear a soft whispering, or you see a pure black humanoid figure in the darkness. If any of these things happen, it is advised that you leave the area to avoid him. If you should lose because you can neither relight the candle or finish pouring the circle and he gets you, there are numerous things that reportedly he will do to you. He can make you hallucinate your greatest fears. He can rip you open and remove your organs one by one, all while you are conscious and feeling it but unfortunately are paralyzed and unable to do anything about it. Or he will just straight up kill you quickly and precisely and send you into the great abyss. Lights out. Curtains closed. I hope it was worth the thrill. The rules are simple. The lights must remain off. You must use a candle and not a lighter or flashlight. The player must remain in the house until the game is over. Do not sleep while the game is occurring. And never do anything that might provoke him. And if this should all turn out in your favor, at 3.33 a.m., the Midnight Man will disappear. And you are good to turn on the lights and safe to go about your life. Well, mostly safe. Even if you should win the game, apparently, he'll always have his eye on you now that he knows where you live. I hope you have enjoyed this spooky Halloween episode. Of course, this has all been for entertainment purposes, but please heed the warnings. Uh, Some things should just not be tested and are far better left alone. If any of this show has made you feel unwell, unsettled, scared, or unsafe, I'll gift you with a protective prayer of sorts. Um, It's something I often say to myself when I'm feeling the same way. I am love. I am light. I am protected. Always. I am surrounded by love, light, and protection at all times. All members of my family, my friends, and my pets are protected and surrounded by white light and love at all times. Only energies and entities with my best interests in heart, mind, and soul may exist in my vicinity, no matter what I do or where I go. Any dark energies, entities, or forces that only wish to harm or hurt, miss me with that bullshit. Hope that helps you as much as it does me. And one final thing before we wrap and get on with the rest of our Samhain celebrations. I recently contacted a friend of the show who is incredibly knowledgeable about all things occult, witchcraft, Wiccan, and the paranormal in general. He helped me to better understand the history of Halloween and what it meant to the pagans who celebrated it in those early days. He's also an outstanding artist and has a page over on IG. If you love the spooky, the dark, the dangerous, and art, please go give him a follow. His handle is DaveZilla.art. Go give him all of the likes. So, out of curiosity, I had also asked him if there were any unique or special things he did to celebrate this day. He does, of course. I wanted to thank him for sharing his knowledge with me and also thank him for the inspiration to do something that I myself will begin this very night to incorporate into my own observance of this holiday. I will be lighting a white candle and setting apart an offering of treats to my ancestor. Great 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 Grandma Rosina. She died in 1925 and is buried right here in New Orleans. Someday on another episode, I'll tell you all the story of how I ended up finding her tomb when I had lost hope that I would, and it shouldn't have been possible. I have to believe she guided me. So tonight, I'll be honoring her and the ancestors who have come and gone before, making it possible with their lives for me to have mine. Have a happy and memorable Halloween, everybody. And as always, Stay safe, keep the night light on, and sleep with one eye open.